Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. We have Melissa Epen of Improbable Escapes, and we're going to talk about marketing. In particular, we're going to talk about escape room marketing as opposed to, or maybe, you know, marketing is, uh, can, can affect everybody in a business so we can, it can affect, it can be, you know, apply to anything. This is a vain so, attempt to increase our audience. No, not really. Oh, I mean, we could. Now, I didn't say we are super excited, but I am super excited. It looks like tried... you were fighting the urge to say we're super excited because now we know that that's a thing we say. Every, every single podcast. We're super excited to have. And and then, of course, I haven't done it with Melissa Epen. And so people are thinking, what, you're not super excited to have Melissa? And I was like, no, I am. I'm really excited. Just need some synonyms. That's all. <laughs> no. Very offended. I'm very offended. <laughs> Hello, Melissa Epen. Hello. Hello. Would you like Hello. To My name is Errol. I'm Amanda. I'm and Melissa. Today, and this is Melissa. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Mike and Ruby are not here again. Yes. But hopefully they will be now that election craziness <laughs> yes, is now over. Now that it's over. Yeah. Now, as I said before, Melissa Eben is about three hours away from us. Is that correct? That is and correct. Well, like probably probably two and a half hours. But yeah, two and a half say three. Hours. Yeah. In Kingston, Ontario, and she runs a an escape room called Improbable Escapes, and she has been on our podcast before where we talked about pop-ups, but this time around, you did a talk at the Unconference about escape room marketing, and so I thought, ah, oh, everybody would love talks about marketing. I think it's really important, so that's why we wanted to have you. How are you, by the way? I am good. I am so we're in the midst of opening up our second location now, which is wild. And I'm wow. currently holed up in a bathroom because this was the only place <laughs> that I thought would be quiet enough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, yeah. whom did I talk to where they were holed up somewhere? Oh, it was Fred Preddy, I think it was. Or yeah, my, yeah, I think so. Yeah. They were trying to, they were also in the middle of getting stuff ready this well is the- thank you very much for taking the time to talk and everything i know it's been tough to schedule i know i'm so sorry it's been so busy oh, <laughs> oh no worries i bet because it's getting close to halloween too don't uh, don't escape rooms get busy during halloween yeah yeah very busy i think it's like i don't know for us we have a horror game but also because people are looking for fun things to do around halloween so mm-hmm. yeah makes sense mm-hmm. now you were also one of the organizers and runners of the Unconference. Is this correct? That is correct. And that, how did that come about? I think it was based off of the idea of the Unconference that Scott Nicholson had. Uh, he held it a few times, but I think the escape room owners community was looking for something a bit more focused on what they need to learn and educate themselves on, I guess. And it needed to be more than just the breakout sessions, although the breakout sessions are phenomenal. But we definitely just needed more of a focus as well on educational topics, whether it was things like actors in escape rooms or um, how to get uh, school trips and schools and teachers to want to use escape rooms as a field trip idea or um, how to open up multiple locations, uh, marketing, marketing. yeah, and, and just kind of learning about it from the player perspective as well. So it, it just kind of became a bigger 
undertaking, I think, than was originally planned. So um, a few owners kind of got together and decided that they would volunteer their time. Um, so the Escape Room Summit was what was born out of the Unconference. And it's a nonprofit organization that we base, we make nothing on doing it. But um, we're, a, we're, we're basically trying to get people to consider things like better safety and better implementation of things in games and to try to learn more and grow bigger and have the industry be a better thing and stuff like that. And it's coming again, the Escape Room Summit in 2020, right? Did I see March? Is that when it is? Uh, it's early 2020 for sure. Um, we're going to be putting out a call out for speakers again and we'll be organizing everything soon. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. amazing. That'll be fun. I mean, it'll be fun if I get to come again. We'll see. <laughs> if, if <laughs> Otherwise, I'm on the it's going to be terrible. I could be on the band <laughs> list. So. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And then, so the reason I said before why we wanted you on is because we wanted to talk about marketing. And and marketing is hard. I'm yes. on the marketing team at my work, and it's just a lot of work. <laughs> I, I have many, a few theater clients or any, any of my clients, actually, I do bookkeeping for. And when I look at their budgets, a lot of is sunk into advertising and marketing. And it's really important. But yeah, I read about how a lot of businesses put at least 10% of their budget, overall profits and sales and revenue and all that fun stuff into marketing just to, there's just so much. There's so much that marketing encompasses that I don't think people consider. I think a lot of people sometimes think, think marketing is just creating like a social media post on Canva, like creating a fun graphic and putting it out there and that's marketing. And it's a lot more than that. So... What can you tell us? <laughs> so tell us about the concept of marketing. <laughs> like, so for, for escape rooms in particular, what are some of the challenges that, that a lot of escape rooms run into when it comes to, to marketing their rooms? I think for a lot of people that have opened up escape rooms, it's um, usually a passion project. So people were either really passionate about escape rooms or about creating experiences and uh, at least most of the owners that I've met are so focused on creating a really great experience, which makes a lot of sense. So people are really taken by the concept of creating puzzles, um, but less so on the business and marketing side of things. So it's, I don't know, I, I think it's challenging because people are able to create these cool experiences, but if you're not marketing them, marketing them properly, then in theory, no one's going to even know that it exists. So I think there's a lot of education that kind of needs to go into the value of marketing. Like people think that creating just a social media post, that itself is marketing. And it definitely is a part of marketing, but it's not marketing. Like people aren't necessarily looking at the return on investment for an ad campaign or any type of campaign in general to see how much it actually brings them profit or any type of sales, which I think is the biggest problem in the escape room industry. So where do you think people and owners should be, what are the areas that owners should be focusing their efforts on? Ooh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in regards to marketing. Yeah. About that, yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so with marketing, I think that they really need to put some time and effort into figuring out whether they can do it themselves or if they need to hire someone to do it. And if they are hiring someone to do it, I'm not talking about a 
16-year-old high school student that likes using Snapchat. Because <laughs> that seems to go... That happens a lot on like the Escape Room Forum boards. A lot of people are like, oh, well, I've given it to my 16-year-old nephew who works for us part-time. Whenever he's at work, he posts an Instagram story and a Snapchat story. And like, I mean, it's good. You're creating content, but you're not really creating anything to convert someone to a sale. So Mm -hmm. I think first off, people have to be really honest with themselves and figure out if they can or can't do it. Um, Because it's it's one of those parts of owning a business that if you're doing it properly, it should be bringing you sales like that. This is one of the this is one of the aspects of owning a business that if you're doing it properly, if you're putting, let's say 100 bucks a month into ad campaigns that you've really strategically thought about that's making you let's say 20 grand a month of revenue. That's such a drastic example. But um, then you know that maybe, you know, you're not the best at it and you need to find someone else that can help you with it that's better. I think that honest conversation with yourself might be a good first step, but also educating yourself on it. Like I think like puzzle making is so different than marketing. Like people, I find at least that are really good at making puzzles um, it sometimes takes them a while to understand the, uh, the value of marketing, but I mean, it's very similar minds. Like you can create some really cool marketing plans and guerrilla marketing ideas by using the same type of thinking that you would use to develop an escape room puzzle as you would with a campaign or strategy. Again, it can be like a full-time job just to get and then there's all those acronyms so many acronyms <laughs> seo i think like seo is the one that no one knows or like a lot of people don't know at least but there are a lot of acronyms you are not so, wrong so the most common acronym in marketing which is seo is the one that nobody knows <laughs> I, I well like i i think so well at least of escape room owners i don't know yeah. No, no, I, I'm not disagreeing with yeah. you. I'm just saying that so like, that's you, like you the most like common acronym. They, they don't know what the acronym stands for, or they just don't know it, its its concept at all. Both. In my opinion, I feel like it's both. But yeah, I, okay. but, I mean, like I feel like some people obviously know that it's, it's search engine optimization, but I don't think they understand what that means. Like I've gotten into a few conversations <laughs> about how like for example creating a website obviously like in my opinion your website for any company should be designed for user experience and ease of use but also be well designed uh, but for escape room specifically it's usually the first thing people would see before booking your room and if you have a really crappy website that it takes you like 35 clicks to find a description of your game like your customer is gone by then and um, I think to save a lot of money, escape room owners often use Wix, for example, to create a website. And a lot of people that are well-versed in web development would start screaming if they knew <laughs> that you were creating a website on Wix because and, like, you've, because Wix has this layer of Flash because they have a drag-and-drop development system. But then it's harder for Google Spiders to actually be able to pull off any information. So if you... If you and I both had the exact same content on our respective websites, but one was created on Wix and the other was WordPress or basically anything other than Wix, Google would have an easier time trying to find that information. Which, like, even stuff that small, a lot of escape room owners don't know because a lot of escape room owners I know use Wix because they thought it was easy. But I, it's like shooting yourself in the face. Like, it's just, in my opinion, I don't know. 
<laughs> so bad. <laughs> it's the marketing equivalent of doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. So which different social media platforms? I mean, marketing is more than just social media. So, but so I'm not going to try to say that that's what we have to focus on. But in regard, but I see a lot of that. A lot of people, when they are asking questions about marketing, ask about social media, uh, which social media platform should we use, which Facebook ads are important, which Google ads, like, what would you give advice? What advice would you give to those that are looking at social media platforms? So for people that are looking for social media advice and tips, I think the biggest thing is that... Like, for example, a lot of owners post things on boards looking for help or assistance. But until you start testing, you don't actually know what will be best for your company and your market. So for me, I think I spent, I think it was about six months, about two years ago, overloading posts on social media to try to figure out what time of day was best. Uh, what type of posts people interacted the most with, what people would watch the most, what would give us the most like for me, a big thing was brand loyalty. I really wanted people to feel loyal to the Improbable Escapes brand. So it was testing different posts to see what would work the best for me. And like, for example, like a lot of escape room companies put out riddle of the days or puzzles. That is good in terms of like a lot of people interact with it, but I don't know if it'll make people feel loyal to your brand or convert them to a sale. I, I personally don't think it does either because when I was doing that test, at least for us, I was putting out puzzles of the day and, or puzzles of the week and or riddles of the week. But although we got a lot of engagement, it didn't affect our sales ever. And I don't think it affected our loyalty, our customer loyalty or brand loyalty. But I think when we started talking about our staff as humans like we would talk about oh like adam just created this puzzle watch this mini video to see how it happened from start to end stuff like that we would have so much more engagement on we would we would see a higher amount of bookings as well when we would do posts like that and it made customers in our city feel connected to our employees and our team and we still have that now Although I'm so busy with this new build that I honestly haven't been putting out much good content. <laughs> but when I do, <laughs> I, I, I see the effects. I see the positive effects. So I think the biggest, my number one piece of advice would be to test to see what actually works for your customer group and your market, as well as make sure you're collecting data so that you're able to further those tests. Because you have your customers that come through the you have your customers that come through the door every day so you should be using that data to test people you know the great thing is is that i remember seeing all of that i do remember seeing you putting out the daily riddle or the weekly riddles i do remember (laughs) seeing the posts of your staff and them doing things and so well that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. because but this the takeaway from that is that your marketing has to have purpose that you should plan it and as you said, I mean, that's very huge in the marketing world to do A-B testing as well. Exactly. Where you have you have two cases and you test one and then you test the other and then you compare them to see which one performed better. Because marketing is a lot about data, especially at my work. It's mm-hmm. just like sh- they always say to me, show me the data. If you can't show me the data that this is better, then I don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, even for that example, that's why I think 
escape room owners really need to kind of understand marketing and data in general. Like I am mind blown with how people pick themes for their games. Like for us, at Improbable Escapes, I had a really hard push for a while saying that we really need to collect data to be able to understand our market and then we'd be able to pick better themes for our games because although our build team or like our team in general would be like, okay, our next game is going to be Aladdin-based and we're so gung-ho on it. Or let's say Egypt because I feel like Egypt is a very popular um, escape room theme. Uh, so like based on gut feeling, okay, yeah, we're going to create an Egyptian game. But then it comes out and people aren't really that into it because it doesn't appeal to anyone whatsoever. So what we did was we created pretty big surveys and we had like thousands of people respond to these surveys to try to understand their behavior and their consumer behavior essentially and to see what they would want to see in games. And it was kind of funny because the first game that we were going to create at the new location ended up being the lowest ranked. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. yeah it's, it's true. And, and every, every demographic in every city is so different. So mm-hmm. it's really important to understand what, what, your, what your area would like. So are you allowed to say what theme everybody wanted at your new location? It was War of the Worlds. Oh, oh really? Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, oh, and that was our. I think that was one. I'm looking at the data right now. Actually, I think it was like the second or last ranked game, because everyone the so like our the, our new facility is supposed to be based on fairy tales. So the nostalgia for adults on classic sta- classic fairy tales, and for children, it's just you know stuff that they like. Um, and War of the Worlds, we're like, oh well, that's like a story, not a fairy tale, but it's a story, and <laughs> like our our team was so stoked to create that game and I uh, put it out there and I had people pick the different um, descriptors of what they would think if they knew that we had a War of the Worlds game and they were all the opposite of family friendly like monsters scary war aliens right like (laughs) that was what was getting selected and our goal was to be fun family friendly adventure happiness so yeah (laughs) aliens destroying the planet yeah (laughs) when i think family friendly i think war yeah (laughs) now as somebody who is maybe data dumb uh i'm wondering you're mentioning like collecting data on your posts and that and for i understand for things like surveys it's really obvious how you get that data which is which is from the actual survey but for other things like when you just post a video or like when you were doing your tests and stuff how do you actually go about collecting data for that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so the biggest i would say the biggest amount of data that we get is actually from our customers that visit our facility uh we have waivers waivers mean nothing in canadian law um but what they're good for are collecting is collecting data about your customers so things like their age range why they're there the demographic they most um relate to other stuff like that but the good thing about facebook is that you can like if you put out a post you can see the analytics behind it and one of the things that i really like is that you can see, you can pick I think, it's, I think it's five pages that, let's say, are your competitors or a very similar type of business in your area and watch their rough analytics as well. So you can see how your posts compare to theirs in terms of reach or 
the number of posts and stuff like that. And it's all on Facebook's back end. So there are different, yeah. So there are lots of ways to actually see your analytics on uh, Facebook. And I also collect and look at the data of the people that visit our website. And also um, we have a Zendesk widget on our website. So uh, we're, we're finding a lot of people shy away from using the phone to call to ask questions for bookings, but they'll open up chat. Uh, chat systems so we use that as well to collect data so we can see where they're located and what their online behavior is like oh cool there are so many tools out there that can be overwhelming with the amount of tools you can to analyze all the data that might be coming so i take it you use zendesk to analyze your data that come to your website yeah so well we use zendesk to analyze the data of our consumers that are on our website that are asking questions. Um, and then we use Google Analytics to understand what people are searching for, the keywords they're looking for, how we're ranking. It, it really helps us figure out different blog posts and articles we should, we should be putting on our website with the Google's Keyword Planner. For example, uh, I'm trying to think of what the most recent popular um, keywords were for us. I think there was one about corporate team building. So then we put out uh, articles on corporate team building to hopefully rank higher uh, for SEO for that. There's little things like that. You can actually see how often people are looking up terms related to your business or maybe not related to your business. And that's how you can try to grab them by creating articles to push people towards your website. Now, Amanda, you are welcome to ask us questions because I, I realized too that since I'm on the marketing team, nothing sounds weird to me right now. Okay. But I, also <laughs> I, I am actually going to ask, I'm going to go back a bit because I realized we should have asked this the moment you said a lot of owners don't know what SEO is and then we never went on to define what it was. No, we're talking about like analytics, <laughs> yeah. ranking, so, page scores, keywords. <laughs> very briefly, Errol or Melissa, can you say what SEO stands for and what it's used for? Yes, SEO stands for search engine optimization. Man, there's so much. There's so much about it. But basically, I'm trying to think of the easiest way to describe it. So you, obviously you want successful search engine optimization. And what that can mean is the ability that search engines will be able to crawl your website to be able to pick up data. So say you're Googling corporate team building in Kingston, Ontario. If you have successful SEO, you would have content on your website that Google ranks high so that you are on the first page of Google results because basically no one ever goes to the next page. So you want to be as high on Google as possible. And that involves things like creating a lot of really good content to be able to be picked up by search engines, uh, using keyword optimization tools, which you can use um, on Google's back end to actually attract um, con or create content to attract those searches. Um, you want a really good user experience. And that is also tied in with website speed, which is a huge problem with escape rooms. And all of this is that we're all trying to game the Google system so that we rank first when somebody searches for specific terms about so escape instance, rooms. I just looked for room escape divas to see where we ranked. Well, that would be easy because, because we're the I, only it's ones. It's my phone and it's, yeah. yeah so. but, but if you were to type in escape room podcast, yeah. 
I, I have no idea which one we, we'll rank. We would right? not come up first. Well, we'd come think. up second. I, I, yeah. I assume that uh, Escape This Podcast would be first. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you do come up second. I just looked. And Escape This Podcast did come up first. <laughs> well, good are we at this. This could be like a game show now. <laughs> <laughs> and so trying to come up first is really important. Now, SEO, search engine optimization, is organic search. In other words, these are people who are just typing in words, and we aren't paying anybody to appear in an ad within Google. Because uh, the first three or four, I don't even know. Actually, it might be the first five now. I can't remember. It's all ads. Are all ads. Right. So, yeah, I guess the benefit of using Google ads is that there's a high percentage of customers that don't realize that they're ads and think that it's organically the number one option. So it makes people think that they are the best. And so ranking first is really important because, as you know, when people are looking for an escape room, they just type in, like for us, escape room, Toronto, and what does come what comes up. Right. And why everybody was so upset... Back in the day, everybody was really upset about the top seven escape rooms oh, in yeah, Toronto. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because that was a post by a local blog called Blog TO. And they weren't that great escape rooms. I mean, there were some good escape rooms, but the other ones weren't because they just took the first five they found. And and then everybody was up in arms because they weren't great. Some of them weren't great escape rooms. And do you know what the first result is? No, now? I don't know. I don't know. It's still, it's a blog TO and it's the top 10 escape rooms in Toronto yes. written back in 2017. Yes. This is after the ads. So ads come up first. Now I'm just like fun, having fun with SEO. Yeah. You can oh. have fun with SEO too. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually pretty interesting though. Even though I'm looking up escape rooms in Toronto too. I am shocked that the first company that pops up is sixth. One, two, three, four, fifth, sorry, fifth. That's wild. There's not even an escape room company that pops up in the first three. That's true. It's true. It's always the top 10, top nine, and then it goes to Escape Games Canada. Well, I think it would make sense because all those blog posts are shared yes. by and probably linked to by so many other people That's because true. they're all looking for it. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. It's just wild that even like, so it's Escape Games, Escape Games, Yelp, Dober Nation Loves. Then escape, es, escape room addict, escape room addict. That okay, yeah. then captive, and then you have to go to the second page to see more companies. Wow, mm-hmm. wow, that's wild. To be fair, I actually probably would look at a top top nine escape rooms in Toronto blog article first. Were I just coming into it? Because normally when I'm looking for things, I do look for those top nine things. Because I could go to an escape room and they'd have many rooms and I wouldn't know which one to pick. But if there's like a blog article that tells me the 10 best escape rooms in Toronto, sure, that narrows my search. Hooray. I'm only looking at the best. Sure of it. So apart from, uh, I'm trying to think of, yeah. So I'm also curious about the, the keyword thing you mentioned with google like determining your blog posts Mm. oh yeah here let me see if i can actually pull it up okay so it's called the google keyword planner and it's actually what you use to um figure out the right keywords for your google ads but we've always used it to figure out what we should also be creating content about or what we should be putting into different headers in our con in sorry in our headers in different blog articles so a keyword are the words that people type into the search bar mm-hmm. trying to find the posts that they want. So like escape, 
is a word. Key, uh, room is a word. Escape room. You know, all those different things people might put in. And hopefully your pages will rank. Mm. In other words, your pages come up when those words are typed into the search bar. Yeah. So basically, strategically, you want to make sure that your what your website's number one for that search. So a really good way of increasing your SEO and trying to get your website up there is creating blog articles on your website because um, you'll you'll rank higher if you're constantly updating your website or adding content to it. And the easiest way to do that is in the form of a blog post. Okay. Yeah. So then if you yeah. So and Google's basically pays more attention to headers. So if it's in a header, it'll pick up better than if it was just in the content of the article. And all of it depends, too, because nobody knows how Google ranks things. I mean, everybody has some idea, and Google tries to help you, but because everybody's trying to game that system, they keep a lot of that secret. So, because so, what they really want is that if you want your page to be authoritative, then it really should be authoritative. Everybody is going to your website trying to find information about this stuff. But if, because everybody is trying to game the system, they do everything they possibly can to fake that authority. So that's why I keep, Google keeps it all um, secret. So a lot, what a lot of people need to do is they want, for example, people having real links pointing to your blog saying, oh, I go to this blog because this blog is really important and fine stuff, right? And the back in the day, it was horrible because then you'd have all the spammers come and say, oh, come here to buy watches or worse. Right. And they just throw that into, into comments. Uh -huh. And then that would be more links back to your website because it was on multiple websites. But then they, but Google learned how to squash that as well, right? So, so that's why it's hard. Hard. <laughs> shifting shifting gears a little bit so we're talking a lot about online marketing what about what about offline marketing what of things like print ads radio uh i don't know if anybody advertises escape rooms on television i've no, i haven't heard of it yet but do you use many of those types of methods or is it mostly online um it's mostly online but we do have strategic let's say offline marketing tactics. So uh, we do advertise with a local radio station based at Queen's University. And uh, we've had a good, pretty good return on that. Um, there's other print campaigns that we are strategically a part of, but we might not actually get a return on investment for, but it might be just to have a good partnership with that organization or to always be included with tourism, for example. So if we, I don't know how, to, let me see how to explain it. It's basically like uh, strategically picking who we want to be involved with to be able to further a better partnership with that organization. Right. So we do that a lot. Um, I, I think it comes down to having to test things nonstop again, though. Like we, you know, we tried newspaper advertising and that definitely did not work for us, but, <laughs> but like radio did, um, radio went well. Um, I think one of our biggest forms of marketing though, that's offline that works out very well for us would be uh, guerrilla marketing. So a few years ago we had a Christmas game and we took Santa around downtown giving out candy canes and, uh, information about improbable escapes and playing a how or a Christmas themed game and it was great because everyone wanted to take a selfie with Santa and Santa would be like well you should play an escape room 
at Improbable Escape. <laughs> so, like, it, it was, it, and it cost us like nothing. We paid Santa, a Santa who also had worked for us at the time, for the day. And then our uh, full time marketer at that point, too, was walking around with Santa, and I was creating video content as it happened. So, there's three of us maybe on and off for about six hours that did it. And it had a huge return on investment. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so that, that's been really good for us, but if not just kind of being everywhere, like um, it's interesting, like even with pop-up games, essentially uh, having games at different booths at different like music festivals or any type of festival in the summertime. I, I, I know a lot of escape room owners charge, uh, for stuff like that, like they would want it to be like $10 for a five minute game or whatever. But uh, we always have it for free typically because we want people to play our games and then they get a coupon afterwards. And then they can take that coupon to Improbable Games. It's kind of giving them a taste of something. It's like sampling food before buying the food, like Costco. But um, it, it's so hard to it's so hard to explain escape rooms to someone that's never played an escape room before. Um, like you can understand the concept, but people are always like, oh, so it's like a panic room. Oh my God, I'm claustrophobic. And I'm like, no, like the rooms are, like our rooms are pretty big. Like our games are at least, I don't know, 500 square feet at the very least. So yeah, we, we tried telling people that, but they're like, no, I would just be claustrophobic. We've never had that issue before in five, almost five years. So like having people actually hands-on play a puzzle usually helps people understand it right away. So that's some stuff that we do. Nice. You know, there was a, cool marketing fact that was interesting about who books escape rooms the the largest demographic that books escape rooms i don't know if it's still true or if it's true for yours but i i found out that it was like women between the ages of 30 and 40 are the main bookers for escape rooms Uh, for us it's women between the ages of 23 and i think it's 29 Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's just our demographic. And I think that's, like, I even think that's going to change for us with our second location. Like, our first location is in the heart of downtown Kingston, so it's predominantly young professionals as well as students. But in the west end of Kingston is all families. So I think that's about to change anyhow. Yeah. There are a couple, I remember seeing ads there there are still actually ads on subways for a couple of escape rooms here in toronto and i can't imagine really? how expensive those would be well yeah like casaloma oh yes casaloma and definitely. uh I think, but yeah that's usually in conjunction with everything else that happens at casaloma i haven't seen a dedicated escape room does mystery room have i don't see i haven't seen them anymore somebody had a, had a an i could be wrong though I, I don't know i don't pay attention to them. and i was looking at it thinking like who are these people and how did they afford this ad and yeah. <laughs> That's wild. I've always thought about if I was in Toronto and I had a bunch of cash, I would 100% try to advertise on Narcity or BlogTO. I'm really surprised no one has done that. Cause, I mean, you have to have a lot of, like, I think some of their campaigns are like eight to 10,000. Whoa. But, yeah. but it's one of those things where, I'd, like, I, I feel like the return would be great. Like I, I uh, have worked with some larger organizations that very regularly um, advertises through Narcity and they see an immediate return on investment. Well, they, they may. I do see a few escape rooms that advertise through Narcity because whenever I see those blogs, well, I mean, I don't know how they're doing it. I mean, I'm assuming they are because I always see on Twitter articles on 
the most scariest escape room in Toronto. And it happens <laughs> it's to be like, this. There's right? going to be a Batman escape, and it's going to be crazy. And I'm like, spoiler alert. It's not probably not. There's not There's not a Batman escape room. I just no, made no. that one but up. The one, but... but the ones that I see all the time from Narcity are the most scariest escape rooms. And yeah. that's, that's uh, No Way Out. Right. Is that what they're called? And then the other one is like an escape room in a plane. And oh. that's a riddle room. <laughs> so those are the ones that I've seen because yeah. I, I, I follow all the Twitter information on escape rooms in general. And so it's just fun to see, oh, look, who's who's advertising what, who's doing what. For example, Improbable Escapes are putting out <laughs> a weekly puzzle. So everything <laughs> any company does... I see. And then and then those people that post all their pictures straight to Twitter on automatic, I mute. It's the worst. It's it's literally <laughs> the worst. And that's not even what Twitter is for. You're not like, oh, I, yeah. I, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, we're talking about like end of game photos oh, and stuff? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. And then, and they do it all in batches, right? Then all of a sudden right. the, the Twitter feed is just filled with like, these people, wow, they did wonderful. And then the funnest one, I haven't seen it in a while, is when they would comment, but only the comment went to Twitter. <laughs> so you don't know what they're talking about because <laughs> they, maybe they hooked up. I don't know if you can anymore, but when they hooked up Facebook or something to go to Twitter, so they comment on the, and then it was it was hilarious. Yeah, I, it's the worst. I hate it so much. <laughs> so that's that's not good posting. No, okay. like no, see no. the problem with that in general, it's like the same type of companies that post every single team photo as a status update instead of putting it in their albums. And that's just a way to piss off your customer. Like, who's going to follow a page if all they post is literally just photos of people that you don't know every five <laughs> minutes? Like, it's un- it's such it's so stupid because they're going to unfollow you or they're going to mute you. And then by the time you actually post content that's worthwhile, like maybe you have a game that's opening or you have a flash sale. I don't know. No one's going to give a sh- uh, I care. I can't be the only one anymore. (laughs) Melissa is very passionate about this. I hate it so much. (laughs) It's the worst. It's so bad. Don't do this. If someone is listening to this, and if this is the only thing that you take away from it, make sure you're not posting your team photos as status updates. It's the friggin' worst. Like half the owners are hanging their heads now in shame. Oh, okay. What else is Melissa angry about about this? This is great. <laughs> yeah. What are, What are some marketing don'ts? Yeah, that's a great. What are What What are things that bring ire to us? I, I agree with you. One, I I hate it when that happens. It makes me just so upset. Just like ah. Uh, um, let's see. What else are marketing don'ts? Um, I think posting a riddle of the day, unless it's actually like bringing you traffic. To your website to actually convert to sale, don't do it because it's if you're over posting in general, like if you're over posting in general, then people aren't going to pay attention or care about your important posts. So don't just shame, like I don't know. I've seen some posts from owners being like, I put out a post three times a day because I want to make sure that people see it. But like if you're putting up content that much, like if people scroll by it, they're probably not paying attention to it. Um, I think that's a big marketing don't. The platforms are different. Twitter is different than Facebook, than they're different from yes, Instagram. Yes, and they should be used very differently. Like, like Twitter is 
like a social media platform that people use to get information. So just put like it's best to put short messages on Twitter or funny messages. But you you shouldn't be posting your team photos on Twitter. And even with Instagram, Instagram's gaining popularity. It always has been gaining popularity, especially with younger uh, demographics. So you should have a really unified Instagram aesthetic, essentially, um, to appeal to that demographic. But you should also reflect, oh, this is like a whole other can of worms, about having a business (laughs) that's also Instagrammable is like almost mandatory now. Although it's really hard, try not to not engage. (laughs) Sorry, I got to think about that one for a sec. Try not to not engage. So this is getting back to our... Remember when I was talking about how Escape This Podcast is the most popular or is the highest ranking? And that's because Bill does a really good job of networking with other creators, local creators. Now, uh, uh, marketing for creators is different than marketing for your escape room. But one thing is there was this one podcast that completely ignored us in any attempts we had right, yeah. to engage with them. And that didn't make any sense at all. Like, Another why, escape room podcast. Yeah, even, why, yeah, why would you want to talk to us? We're excited about escape rooms. <laughs> yeah, that's silly. That's silly. I would say companies that also use their newsletter mailing lists like way too frequently to the point where it's spam is a big don't. Mm. Yeah. That happens a lot. You know, I have people, because I've done a lot of escape rooms across North America, I still get their newsletter. And sometimes I wonder, why are you sending me newsletters if I'm not in your city? But, oh well. <laughs> Although I did enjoy, I got uh, I got like an e-blast from um, Escape My Room. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, okay, they're probably opening up their new room. But it was really neat because they sent it. As an obituary for one of the family members oh, that's cool. that they that love this family that they made up. So that was how they were advertising their new room, which was like, please, we're going to have a memorial on this day. Please come because it was an event that they were doing. And I'm like, that's a really cool way to like, because it grabbed my attention because it's so like, we are saddened to announce the loss of, I'm like, what? what What's going on? <laughs> right? Yeah, and- well, that's kind of good. <laughs> I have to admit that all of my... Anything that in, I have on my email, anything that has the word unsubscribe goes immediately <laughs> to a folder that's called unsubscribe. So I never see those. <laughs> yeah. Which is hard because I know that there was, there's the Terpecas, the Terpecas, the top escape room project. And then I forgot that Richard was using a mailing list to talk to all of us. And then eventually he's like, did you get that email? I was like, email? It's been going on for a month and I haven't seen this. (laughs) Oh, dear. Um, Anyway, sorry. Bad marketing escape room tactics. That's what we were talking about. Yeah, right, right, right. Bad marketing escape room. When you copy other escape rooms in your market... Their ad copy, it's so cringy. Like I've, I mean, it's happened to us. It's happened to other people I know where basically like two or three words is changed from (laughs) your ad copy and someone else just takes it. Don't do that. You're like, you're one, you're being a bit of an asshole. And two, you're just making every consumer confused about your brand. Like, is it the same company? Is it, I don't know. 
Yeah, so don't do that. And it's really confusing, too, because I think a lot of the mainstream, when they think escape room, they just think it's all just one big company. <laughs> like, I don't know why I ask this. I mean, well, I ask it of people who do a few escape rooms, but I know not to ask brand new people, oh, which escape room did they did you do? Oh, and yeah. then they'll just go, you they- know. That one about the about the serial killer. Yeah. Oh, okay. They can never remember the name they, of they the of the, the company the they went to. So I have to ask. Oh, where was it? Oh, it's on Queen. Oh, I hate that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you mentioned that you have a marketer, and so when it when it comes to actually like figuring out marketing strategies and whatnot and what you spend your money on, would you recommend, especially to new owners? that they spend that money on hiring a professional to to handle the marketing for you? So I, I currently don't have a full-time marketer, but in, oh. I, I generally do. Um, I recommend either hiring a, a person, but it doesn't mean that it needs to be an employee that works for them. It could be a freelancer that maybe gives you a certain amount of content, or it might be even using someone online that can help, like an online service. That can help you, but if you if you don't know what you're doing, I suggest. Yeah, I would I would suggest offloading or outsourcing because it's something that's so important, and owners are busy with so many other things, and it's usually their games. That it's great if you have a really killer experience, but no one's ever going to know about it if you don't let people know about it. So yeah, maybe yeah, I would go with outsource or. At the very least, educate yourself, but educate like that. It's there's so much marketing is so much, and it changes on a daily basis too. Like whenever anything updates, or the way that Facebook changes very frequently, or Google, it's it's so hard to keep on top of. So hire a professional. Now it also probably would make a difference depending on your market and how saturated your market is. When you first started, I think you were the only one there in Kingston at least four years ago, right? And so maybe your biggest problem was trying to get the population to even understand or know what an escape room was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, for us, it was more of like an educational um, problem. Like we had to make people understand that we're not scary and terrifying and we're going to leave you in a room locked forever in a basement somewhere. Uh, that's a big we locked children in the basement. But yeah. it's okay. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's okay. Yeah. <laughs> It was for, yeah, so it was definitely like an educational focus for us. But now as we have grown and now that it's four years later, it's more of like a brand loyalty as well as um, educating on new experiences that we have as well as trying to pump out our existing games because a lot of the times people don't realize how often we put out games and just are like, oh, yeah, I've been waiting for a new game. Well, we have six of those. So it's just making sure everyone understands what's happening. So do you think it's hard to have brand loyalty for a product that you can only do once or or for, that you can only experience once? Because some, some rooms don't turn over their rooms like once every two years, right? If if not longer. That that would be difficult. Like, uh, the, there's so many things about marketing, especially for escape rooms, that vary depending on what your approach is to your business. For us, we haven't turned over a game in a long time, but we've been consistently adding on. So we want to keep our players thinking about the type of experience that we can offer them. Um, Like if they're going to go out for their 
I don't know, like their reunion with their friends they do every year and they make a tradition out of it. We want us to be the thing that they think about doing. Um, because when they do it, um, and that's, that's usually how we get a lot of our really loyal customers. They'll be like, Oh, like we come whenever a family member has a birthday, we always come and play a new game. So for reasons like that, I think it's important for improbable escapes to focus on brand loyalty and just act. It's, it's more than just brand loyalty for escape rooms for us. It's uh, brand loyalty for any type of activity. Um, so if you're looking for something to do, uh, not just I'm looking for an escape room is really important for us. But I think, yeah, for a company that might have maybe has two games and isn't going to turn over in two years, I think at that point your goal is to be able to get first-time people. So like your marketing strategy would be completely different because you have to be consistently advertising to people that have never come to you before. So, yes. In other words, marketing is hard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, funny thing is, is that we, my family, we actually have that tradition where whenever it's my anniversary, anniversary, ah, I can't speak. <laughs> anniversary. What the heck is that? Anniversary. <laughs> we would go down to Niagara Falls with the children. This is a really dumb move on my part, but whatever. Always bringing children on my wedding anniversary. Anyway, but then we would go do escape rooms at the Crux in Niagara Falls. So that was always a fun little thing for us to do. Niagara Falls in February. What, we're, we only go there for escape so rooms cold. and hotels, but then the children came. So, oh, uh, well. <laughs> Happy times. Speaking about relationships, somebody was on a date. Well, oh, yes. Really? How did your date go? <laughs> okay, we're, we're going to cut this out. We'll cut this. <laughs> the date was fine. It was just fine. It was only a second date, and it was just more awkward talking, basically. So About escape rooms. Well, of course I brought up escape rooms because whenever I whenever I run out of conversation now on dates, I just bring up escape rooms because <laughs> I know I can talk about those for like an hour without having to worry about caring whether what he's thinking. <laughs> so it's true. By the end of that, he's probably not thinking a great a great amount of me. So okay, we'll make a nice pause so that you can cut that out. <laughs> you don't have to cut it out. Oh, we don't. Oh. <laughs> Manda's dating time on Room Escape <laughs> podcast. No, Room what was Escape it? You, you wanted to call it something else at one point. What? Yeah, what was it? It was when it was. It was when I was on. Um, not the one I'm on now. Tinder. Tinder. Yeah, you wanted to call it Tinder times. <laughs> <With> <laughs> That's amazing. You def you definitely need to make that a segment. <laughs> anyway. I guess the the main takeaways from this is that we could probably, uh, uh, well, not we, uh, just mostly Melissa, could give all sorts of information and tactics. And that's, that's hard. But what's important is to look at the data, the data that you have, and, and test everything because yeah. it will be completely different in your market. Exactly. Just don't, yeah, stop listening to Facebook forums where they tell you to post three times a day do your own research <laughs> try things out experiments yeah. exactly yeah. 
Exactly. Although, I mean, it, it, the, the cool thing is there are a lot of posts out there on marketing. The, the bad thing is, is that there's too much of it. So you don't really know what to follow. And, it, and it's always going to be different because of your, of your demographic. Yeah, I think that's like the most important takeaway here. Like obviously get inspired by online posts or whatever you really want to do. But if you're not testing it and really analyzing what works best for you, you might be wasting your time. And no one has enough time. So don't waste your time and just test. True. Do you get a chance to play any games, Melissa? I haven't actually played any escape rooms in a, a while. I'm trying to think of yeah. the last game that I played. I actually don't know. I think the last games I played, no, that can't be right. But I think it is. I think it was in March, and it's when we went to Transworld. And I think we played some games at The Darkness. Yeah. I think that was the last time. That's so That's sad. That's okay. We haven't played a lot of rooms lately because mm. there aren't very many around us anymore. No. Well, it sounds like you have to come up to Kingston. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should probably let you get back to your crazy construction. I know, because you're, 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 you're stuck in a bathroom, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm still in the bathroom. <laughs> so, <laughs> but thank you very much for taking the time to you know impart your marketing wisdom on on us and and i learned all sorts of things tonight about seo and, and not posting put pictures SEM. on well, what was that <laughs> sem there's more se things oh there's there are so many acronyms that you have so no idea so it's like search engine multiplication what what search are, SEM marketing are the are the thing yeah, so that's what you pay for. Pay-per-clicks, oh. PPC. Okay, so that's the pay for what? So SEO is like when you're like, I want to try and game the system so that I can be first. SEM is like, I'm just flat out paying for an ad. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm explaining things. Oh, right? no, 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 you're doing great. Okay. Yeah, right? <laughs> and then you have all sorts of... That's why we talk about like organic and direct and owned and there's just... Uh, I don't even know what so I'm talking about. So organic is I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think I, I think I understood what organic was, but organic is like just a random person going in and just typing a bunch of words in and that's that's how the search comes up. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Cool. I understand some things. Yay. Marketing. <laughs> if people want to find improbable escapes or and all your awesome blog posts, where can they go? They can find us on social media and online by looking up Improbable Escapes and our second facility is called Wonderland Kingston, which they can also find as well. Cool. Nice. Improbablescapes.com, right? That's us. No, they must search for it so that we can game the system more. (laughs) 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 We need analytics. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you for having me. Yay. Yay. Good luck, good Thanks luck for with joining us. I, I forgot to ask you the most important question of whether oh. or not you sing. Oh, I, oh, no one wants to hear me sing. <laughs> it would be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Errol has opened up the Pandora's box oh, yeah. of singing I'll, again. I'm doing, doing parodies. I, so I've started again this year doing parodies for the podcast. So I think we stopped it for two years. Yeah. Because yeah. it was hard coming yeah. up with a new 
song about escape rooms. That didn't rhyme with black light. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my goodness. It was just so many. Yeah. I think we have like 40 parodies all about escape rooms. That's, that's a hard song. To, so it's a hard topic to always sing about. <laughs> <laughs> Started again. So I'm excited. It's not as universal a topic as love or, no, or anything. No, yeah, yeah, it's easy for if it was love, but yeah. no, if it was, oh my goodness. Okay, well, thanks, Melissa. I will talk us out. Yes. Okay. Room, Esca- Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. Love getting them emails. Uh, you can search us on Facebook. Just click the like button on the Room Escape Divas page. And if you are on Twitter, please use the hashtag #HariDivas. I almost lasted. Errol's throwing eggshells at me, so <laughs> it's uh, really it was really hard to concentrate on that one because it was landing in my hair. No, we're done. Don't don't get up. Oh, you're picking up the eggshell, and and maybe oh, we'll clean it up. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye.